on Audio, the podcast for writers and all who are interested in books, literature and the printed word. Write on Audio has moved to a weekly format, splitting our content into shorter themed podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so you don't miss any of our editions. Write on Audio interviews, inspiring you to write by sharing the experience of prominent authors. Today's interview is with science fiction novelist and audio drama writer Emily Inkpen and continues our monthly theme of Worlds Apart. Emily's drama The Dex Legacy has been featuring in science fiction podcast charts around the world and receiving critical acclaim whilst gathering a significant popular following since its release in January. But Emily began her writing journey as a novelist, as we'll hear in this interview with our producer, Chris Gregory. The theme for Write On this month is Worlds Apart. And with this in mind, we're chatting with sci-fi novelist and audio dramatist, Emily Inkpen. Emily, welcome to Write On Audio. Thank you very much. Am I right in thinking that you're a novelist primarily, but you've turned your hand to audio drama more recently? Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I started out writing the novels, And then I was offered the opportunity to write audio drama by Alternative Stories, which was really exciting. And as a massive fan of audio drama, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, probably also important to point out for listeners that the audio drama is the same world, the same characters as your trilogy of novels. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a prequel. So the uh, novel starts 11 years after the audio drama begins. So it's the same characters, but they're just younger. The uh, novels are told from the perspective of uh, three main characters who are in the like 26 and 27. And the audio drama follows those same characters, plus a couple of others when they're 15 and 16. A phrase I often hear applied to um, science fiction and fantasy writers, and is this phrase "world building." And and clearly, you've you've built a, um, a a complex world that your your characters live in. But can you tell us a little bit about what writers mean by that phrase "world building," please? World building is basically setting the stage. So the action plays out. You've got your characters, but the world is what supports them. And I would say also it's the world that gives the context, characters, your characters context. So where your characters come from is incredibly important. And, you know, I mean, if you've got somebody who, you know, we we all know people, like we're all, <laughs> people are very attached to where they come from. You know, if you say to somebody like somebody who's from Yorkshire will be very proud of the fact that they are from Yorkshire versus somebody who is from Devon or somebody who's from Glasgow, you know, like somebody who is, you know, Scottish will have a very different identity, like will, will identify with being Scottish versus somebody who is, you know, not. And in order to sort of get those nuances of character to get the sort of, um, get that kind of level of identity, you need to know the world and you need to know how things are divided up. You need to know the history and the politics behind it. And I think that all of this feeds into your characters, where they are, what their motives are, how they're directed. Um, You know, I mean, it's all very well saying, okay, well, this country is at war with this country. Well, why? Is that a historical 
thing? Is that a rivalry that's just sprung up or is it something that is, you know, has been beneath the surface for a long time? You know, is has this happened before? Have they already divided? Is there, you know, like there's an awful lot of that that um, needs to be got right. And it, it, it goes beyond the sort of minutiae of this is a species of plant that grows <laughs> on the highlands of, of some country called Terranesia or something, you know, like it's, it's like, I think people get world building gets a rap of being that granular mm. when it's actually rarely the case. Mostly world building is just knowing the world, the history, what's happened before. Mm. And yeah. And and in your case, as you said, it's political systems, it's alliances, it's armies, it's motivations, I, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so into this world that you've created, you place a set of characters uh, and their stories. So as a writer, what, what comes first for you? Is it, the, is it the characters and stories or is it the world or is it, is, is it simultaneous really? Well, like I say, in terms of the world feeding into the character and the character then being affected by the world that they're in and their place in it, um, I think that these things are simultaneous and I think that for me, characters came first, but as I built the characters, the world also built. So I had to basically, okay, so we've got we've got the three kids uh, in the Dex Legacy, uh, Varian, Isra, and Ren. They are all orphans and they come from different countries. These countries fell during um, wars that happened in the past, and they were recovered from these countries as they fell. Now, knowing that about them, I was like, okay, I need these three characters. They need to come from different places. They came to this place because of these events that happened in the world. Okay, so what countries did they come from? Who was invading who that these countries were then invaded and swallowed? What sort of what then prompted those invasions? All of this. I think the main question here is why, 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 mm. why? And why is how you build characters and how you build worlds. Because, you know, if a character does something, you need to have a good reason for it. Why have they done that thing? Why mm. do they react like that? Why is that upsetting to them? And when it comes to worlds, you've got to say, okay, why did that place invade them? Why did that invasion fail? Why is it that those people were able to resist for so long against the invasion before they were finally subdued or something. Why is that? Is that is that something to do with the geography? Is that something to do with their general attitude? Are they basically the Scots against the Romans and just absolutely nuts? You know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. it, you know, it's, it's, it's all sorts of questions like that. And, and to find the answers to all of those whys, you end up going down a rabbit hole, but the further down the rabbit hole you go, the more rich your characters, the more rich your world. We've mentioned the audio drama, so let's have a, a little think about that now, because a whole new set of writing skills that you that you've had to learn, even though, as you say, it's the same same characters in the same world, but the writing skills are are are, are very different. So, mm -hmm. what what were yeah. your what were your main impressions of the of the differences uh, when you came to start script writing? Well, I mean, it's all dialogue. It doesn't have to be actually in audio drama. It can be sort of like patches of, of narration and, you know, there's all sorts of forms you can play around with in audio drama. And back when I first started, I was playing around with those um, different forms, seeing what would work. And with the Dex Legacy, we have sort of landed on a very just 
straight into the scene scripted like almost like an audio movie um you know nobody else nobody doing the, the narration as such and i think what's interesting there is that i mean i can see the, the the world in my head but it's really exemplified how the action is between the characters mm. and how the characters interact is the most important thing and we get i'm able to illustrate parts of what's happening in the world um often an episode will start with nathaniel dex asking the uh, they have sort of like an ai robot auto who is voiced by me um what are the latest headlines and auto will say okay from from this country these headlines from that country these headlines and it's sort of gives context of what's happening in the world or what's important in a certain and normally it will it will get to some kind of fatuous um headline like you know this chancellor has just married their third wife and and nathaniel just cuts them off like you know right okay that's <laughs> don't, enough don't that. i don't that. need to yeah. i don't need to know about that and and you know so it sort of adds color because in this world not only is there all the politics going on, but there is also the factual stuff that is, is going on all the time as well. And also those are nice Easter eggs because those characters that I do the headlines for in the audio drama actually come back in the novels. So you can sort of, if you're reading the novels, you can be like, oh, I remember in the audio drama when he married her, there was a headline about that event. And <laughs> you know, that's always a, re a real pleasure to do that. But yeah, the, the audio drama in terms of, it's it's very dialogue heavy and it's interesting how listeners fill in the gaps mm. and they do do that. I mean, with the sound design as well, that also sort of helps set the scene. But the number of people who have said to me when they've listened to the audio drama, it's, like, it's such a rich introduction to your world. And I think, well, at no point does anyone say, oh, look, there's that flower flowering upon that hillock that is covered in blue grass <laughs> because we are on an alien planet doing X, Y, Z. And mm. at no point have I done that, but people have got pictures in their heads of mm. what these places look like. And I find that fascinating. I think that's one of the things about um, radio drama, isn't it? There, there's a there's a story, and I don't know how true it is, that they they experimented with putting the archers onto the onto the television, and uh -huh. um, when they put it in front of a test audience who were fans of the radio show, they said, "Phil Archer doesn't look like that. That's <laughs> not where the bull is in relation to." the doctor's surgery and 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 they they'd got this world in their heads and you know maybe that's um the you know what listeners were 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 thinking when they talked about your your world yeah absolutely i think and i i love that and it's it really makes the whole collaboration it's it's not just a collaboration then between the writer and the um producer and the the actors it's a collaboration with the listener as well and you have mm. to kind of there's a lot of trust there it's it's like it's putting just as much just enough information out there through the speech and the dialogue for them to make the rest of the connections to to create this vision in their minds and it really works people do it were you a were you a fan of radio and radio drama before um before you started writing uh, the Dex Legacy? Yes, absolutely. I was um, raised on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was, I mean, talking about uh, creating visuals, the Hitchhiker's Guide was my first moment of seeing spaceships. And uh, we say seeing in inverted mm. commas, because obviously I didn't, but I had clear pictures in my head of what these different types of spaceship were. And just through the different 
sort of the dialogue describing things and the sounds of them walking through different spaces and the sound of the doors opening and closing, you get a real sense of what these um, places look like. And so, yes, um, definitely a fan of audio as a medium for telling stories. And I kind of, I kind of believe that um, audio is the home of sci-fi in many ways, because it's such, it lends itself to this sort of, storytelling uh, like futuristic with the sound effects and everything is it's a wonderful medium for science fiction mm. i think some of our listeners might be a bit surprised that you say that because we often associate science fiction with the cinema don't we, we mm. with very big budget films uh, the S star wars and um star trek and and all of those the those avengers films. The, yeah. yeah exactly and, and and not necessarily with the radio so could you say a little bit more about why you why you think of uh, radio as being a or audio drama as being a good home for sci-fi? Well, I think it's got to do with the um, the visuals happening in the brain, happening mm. in, happening in the mind, and it's it's also quite um, grassroots. I mean, yeah, you've got the you've got the um, amazingly high level productions of Hollywood um, made uh, science fiction, but there's a lot of science fiction out there and audio formats allow for a lot more to get out of people, if that makes sense. Um, budgets in terms of movies and, and visuals can be quite prohibitive, I mean, hugely prohibitive. And if you've got a story to tell, audio is a fantastic way of doing it. And as I say, I mean, audiences are very capable of putting images together in, in their heads. You don't have to have all of this very impressive um, sort of visuals. Having said that, if Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of you are listening to this interview, by all means, get in touch to do a televised or movie version of The Dex Legacy. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> For those that don't know, the, the Dex Legacy is a series. It's a serial drama. And how many episodes were there in the first season? Um, six. Like that. Oh yeah, so, because we did, uh, the interlude episodes as well. So the six yeah. main episodes, uh, with the finale split into a very fashionable two parts. So yes. seven episodes, mm -hmm. and then um, another, I think, six interludes. Mm. So yes, we have thirteen episodes. Mm. Mm. So so that then is a. Uh, an episodic thing and and that's I, I guess also something that you as a writer need to learn I mean obviously you might have cliffhangers through your through your novel but for an audio drama that's what 20 25 minutes half an hour something like that mm -hmm. you you probably want to have a cliffhanger at the end of the episode so how, how did you go around about um arranging the story into um podcast sized episodes well, I think that, well, the way I sort of um, approached each episode was that each episode was based, uh, focused on an event, mm. on a single event. And there are threads that carry throughout the series that sort of happen either side of this one single event. So normally uh, a conversation would be happening about something going on uh, that has carried through the episodes and then this event will take over and some it will it will explode it will explore things about the characters or about a single character 
And then it will give the other characters time to react to that event. And through those reactions, we will learn more about the characters. It will potentially have a knock-on effect in terms of what happens in the next episode. But each episode focuses on a, a single thing. Um, that's what I try to, to sort of do with the episodes. Um, with season one, episode one was a standalone when I wrote it. And episode two was also kind of a standalone. And it wasn't until episode three that it looked like we were going to do a full series. So in terms of cliffhangers, I mean, it's tricky to work them in when you're kind of thinking, well, this could be the last episode and, mm. you know, the next episode could be the last episode. So I think that there were definite cliffhangers more in um, episodes four, five and, and six, for sure, when we worked out like what we were doing in terms of series. Um, in season two, which I'm currently working on, I have to work out what those cliffhangers are going to be for each episode. And mm. that is more challenging. That's a very interesting challenge and requires a different type of construction, I think. Um, so, yes, it's about events, ongoing threads and, as you say, cliffhangers. I suppose also you're given what you said about the the novels and and series one you're you're now constrained in two directions aren't you so you've got what happened in series one and what must happen at the start of the novel and you're you're moving in time from one to the other so you've got to you've got to make sure all those threads are neatly tied up and consistent as well haven't you Yes, absolutely. I think that it's it's a fun thing to do writing the prequels because there's lots of things that I mention in the books that are sort of tied uh, happen in the past. And so these prequels can really home in on these things that happen to them and you know shine light on them and show what they were doing to the characters in the actual moment. Uh but then yes, things <laughs> it does it does mean that um I don't necessarily have the creative freedom to go crazy, um, but I also or, or know budget. or the budget. <laughs> yes, quite um, creative freedom or the budget to go crazy. It, it keeps it relatively contained. I know where I'm going, and in storytelling, that actually helps mm. to have a direction. Yeah. And yeah, so in it's it's a blessing and a curse. I would mm. say. I think yeah. the other thing that you have is the voices of the actors in your head. Oh now yes. because um i mean they, they they sometimes there's a military expression about a plan not surviving contact with the enemy um mm. and and i think there's many a, a, an audio drama or, or stage script that doesn't survive contact with the actors but but yours clearly did and you, you were quite involved in and working with the actors weren't you Yes. So our cast is absolutely amazing. Uh, incredibly lucky with the talent. It's a big cast as well. I think in episode five, got like 13 characters in it. It's a bit, you know, crazy. Um, but yes, um, I because when we did episode one, it was bigger. It was, it was part of something bigger. I didn't want the actors to think that it was just a one-off episode of something that is never going to be connected to anything else. Because I've written the novels, it was very important for me to let them know that this was part of something a lot bigger. It was. It's a beloved world with very round characters that need to be believable in the context of what's to come. Because I wanted that if it was going to be a standalone episode, I wanted people to, who read the novels to be able to go back and find it and for it to make sense. And so 
it was very important to me to give the actors context for the characters, what they've been through, who they are, how they relate to each other. It strikes me that, you know, quite often you must have gone from writing your novel, which was a very kind of solitary game, I guess, mm-hmm. to to this, which where you're part of a a, a little team and an, and an important part of it, writer involvement almost to the point of being a director. Mm. Um, so, how, I mean, how does that feel you know, as a writer, being part of a team, is that, does that take you out of your comfort zone? Is that something you enjoy or are you relinquishing control that makes you uncomfortable? It's interesting because I really love it. And at at the start, I wasn't really sure if I loved it. And when I was listening to the audition pieces, I really wasn't sure I I loved it because you're hearing actors repeating the lines that you've written over and over again. And nothing makes you question your skill as a writer than listening to your own words read back to you again and again by different voices. Nothing makes you you call into question your (laughs) your skill (laughs) quite like that. But then magic happens and one of the voices comes through and it's like you're hearing the character for the first time outside your head you know it's like that's them Mm. and it's incredible and it's like oh my wait that's who they are that's what they sound like and there they are they exist and that i think was my moment of absolute love and i think that happened was it osa or was it um isra kelsey griffin or um annika cordes i think um one of those it might have been kelsey actually yeah yeah I mean, I, th- I think there are so many characters, and, and I now mm. read the novels with the actors' voices because um, I've, I've read the novel since we made the uh, the audio drama. So um, yes, it, it, it which does... aren't out yet, by the way, they're not published. Uh, uh, so no, <laughs> but uh, but they will be soon, and um, we hope. And Hopefully. yeah, you must. Everyone must read them. Do you have any advice for writers, uh, you know, who may be writing short fiction or novels or or, or poetry or whatever, wanting to get into either audio drama or audio fiction? I think play. Mm. Play with the story that you're telling. Play with the characters and see, because obviously I, I, um, as I said before, I, I was playing with formats, playing with having narrator, playing with having, you know, sort of different, uh, whether or not somebody would um, describe what's happening in a scene and then go into speech or, you know, there's there's all sorts of different formats. So just play for a little while and let it take shape and work on your dialogue. Mm. Read it out loud while you're doing it. Imagine the voices in your head. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Make sure that the dialogue flows like actual people would actually speak. And I think that's the that's the crux of it. Because mm. when you're writing, when you when you've got people listening to a conversation, the last thing you want is for them to be listening to it thinking, well, no one would say that. Or mm. that's not how they would speak in real life. Or in that context nobody would be able to say all of those words without somebody interrupting them halfway through to tell them to shut up you know (laughs) 
um, being, yeah. yes, monologue syndrome, I think, is, um, you know, that uh, nobody in real life, I don't know if anyone's ever been able to sit there and wax lyrical about something without somebody interrupting uh, them. But, but there, I mean, there is the, there is the, the the possibility of the odd soliloquy hamlet style mm. where we where we um i mean we don't do it in the dex legacy but sometimes in audio fiction we break the fourth wall as it were and a character mm -hmm. will step forward and speak directly to the audience and that that can work very well oh um, yeah but um yeah it's as you say um someone would normally in in real life someone will say shut up and or cut across, won't they? Yeah, normally. I mean, I would say if you're going to do something like that, do it early and be consistent, mm, I think. Yeah. Because if you only bring in a step forward, break the fourth wall in like episode four of six, yeah, then it's it's sort of, I nobody would be expecting it. Mm. And I would find that quite jarring as yeah. a listener. And it would feel like an afterthought or something that wasn't, it's not on brand to use a marketing term um you want things to be consistent so if you're going to do something like that absolutely brilliant think about it from the off <laughs> you yeah. know um and tie it in i think yeah, yeah indeed so i mean you mentioned um things that you've learned in doing audio drama are there any skills mm -hmm. that you've learned from audio drama that you've taken back into the um the novel writing into your prose yeah dialogue yeah. I mean, my dialogue was always pretty strong to the point that I was able to switch over to script writing mm. um, relatively easily. But yes, um, I think that any kind of writing like that, it just strengthens everything mm. really and makes it, you know, yeah, well, you know, it's practice at the end mm. of the day. You're practicing all the words that you write are practice. And yeah, I think that, you know, also, also little bits about the world that, come up in the audio drama that don't necessarily come up in the books and a being then going back and tying them in because as i mentioned the books aren't actually published yet so i can mm. i can i can have a little play with that um yeah. <laughs> yes exactly and i can i can thread things in to the books still which is very pleasurable so mm. Yeah, I think we, we should yeah. say a little bit for for writers that are interested in getting into uh, writing for audio or, or audio drama. Um, what are the markets for that for writing in, in of, of that of that sort? So I suppose we we I mean right at the top we have BBC Radio, don't we? Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to submit to BBC Radio, the main tip is find out someone who is an independent supplier to BBC Radio. <laughs> or find it and 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 pitch to them and they can then pitch to to the bbc but also out there now there are people that are commissioning audio in in the same way i guess that netflix and amazon made started to make lots of their own original series so people like spotify and audible are now commissioning original podcast dramas and and, and other podcasts any others that we should mention, do you think, Emily? Uh, specific uh, studios? Yeah. I mean, Realm, yeah. for example, is one, isn't it? Realm. Q Code. Yeah. Yeah. Q Code is another one. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think we've, yeah. And, and possibly Apollo as well. Apollo are mm -hmm. a newish podcast platform just for audio fiction, audio drama, and they are toying with um, funding new productions mm -hmm. as well so well, that's exciting 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And I think that so the, the key message there is that where, you know, even probably 10 years ago, the only game in town was BBC Radio. Mm-hmm. Now it has widened considerably. And there's also yeah. the, the, the kind of do it yourself or self publishing approach um, that, that we, we've taken for the Dex Legacy is, you know, you can just make your own podcast and you can publish it, can't you? Yeah, and there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there with that as well. Mm. Um, as I said before, talking about the movie route or the audio route, there's a lot of grassroots sort of uh, people coming up and and creating this stuff, telling really interesting stories, and yeah, uh, doing exciting things. And and, and a yeah. real trend that I've certainly noticed is that filmmakers are really mm. getting into the world of of audio drama as well. So. Again, I, I, it seems it, it seems surprising. I think that people will will be going in that direction. You know, working going from a medium where all our senses are available to us to one where um, one of our main ones isn't. So, but but that is yeah. that is starting to happen. So, yeah, I think it, it must be to do with um, accessibility. You know, because some mm. people don't have time to sit down and watch episodes of something, but also people who are. Um, visually impaired, for instance, um, when you've got something that is literally designed to not be seen, mm. you're not relying on visuals. Mm. So whereas in a TV show, there might be whole sections of silence while the visuals play out, in audio, it's never leaning on the visuals. Mm. Uh, so even if it's like a, an audio version of a, a series, which you've got more and more coming up, um, you know that's that's brilliant that's that's invaluable mm. to people who are visually impaired or you know unable to or, or people that, that are particularly busy i mean so you can mm. listen you can listen while you drive you can listen while you cook you can listen while you walk and so you know i think there are audiences that are discovering um audio books audio fiction audio mm-hmm. drama um that that perhaps never have before so emily finally mm-hmm. if any appetites have been whetted for the dex legacy how can listeners um find it and listen and find out a bit more about you the dex legacy is on all podcast platforms pretty much um Anything that you're listening through, search The Dex Legacy and it will come up. Uh, we've got the website, www.thedexlegacy.com, and you'll find direct links to various platforms there. You'll also find our shop. We have merch. Uh, we have uh, we have bonus materials. We have interviews, uh, maps. Maps are important. I, uh, I always think things are infinitely uh, improved by the presence of a map. So if you're a map person, the website is, is there. And um, yeah, you can find out a bit about me. You can find you can follow me on Twitter at Emily Inkpen and on Instagram at Emily Inkpen. Everything is basically at Emily Inkpen. So if you know if you want to do that, it's, it's at the Dex Legacy as well. We have a, a Twitter, uh, so you can follow there. And I think it's at the Dex Legacy one on Instagram. On Instagram, yes, indeed. Yes. Um, so yes, uh, that we're we're all there. Very accessible. Google search. Searching your favourite podcast app. Listen. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily Inkpen, thank you very much for joining us on uh, Right On Audio. And uh, we'll, we'll leave with a little excerpt from The Dex Legacy. So thank you very much for joining us today, Emily. Thank you for having me. Almost 1,500 years ago, 
our ancestors landed on this planet with technology we have never managed to replicate. We were sent here in giant seed chips with more data than any one person could ever get through in a lifetime. 10,000 people and some animals were left with all this knowledge, except the plans for interstellar travel. So, they didn't want us going back. Why? I expect this planet had more tricks up its sleeve than they anticipated. We've been dragging ourselves forward until now, Tristan. This invention of Osa's, it surpasses everything they knew. I was told to create the most scientifically advanced weapon the world has ever seen. I did not sell it, and I did not detonate it. When Varian Isran Ren go into battle and kill a multitude, do you feel responsible? That's different. And how is that? It is not Devic's responsibility. So this bomb was not mine? Didn't you hear what I just said? The rebels are coming, Ren. Get ready. Lost Isra. She's been taken captive. I don't have more time. The electrical currents disabled her chip. We cannot track her. You mean to ask me if she's already dead? I don't know. We can end their lives at a push of a button, no matter where in the world they are, and they know it. A person should not have to live with that threat. Seconds count here, Varian. I know. Losing you as well would make this a very bad day. Have you thought about what they might be doing to her? I'm trying not to. Don't be stupid here and wait. We may have a serious problem. You think that if Ivzra escapes the rebels and chooses to run from us, we won't be able to find her? That is exactly what I'm thinking. Find her, Ren. I will. So you really think countries will choose to hire Dex military in times of need rather than maintain their own military power constantly? And you believe you can keep Dex Island neutral? Yes. How? Because they will fear us. If all goes well, after today, they will all fear us. Now you've heard from Emily Inkpen about writing audio drama and adapting your prose skills to script writing, we'd like to recommend some brilliant audio drama podcasts that fit in with our theme of Worlds Apart. These are science fiction dramas we think you might enjoy for their excellent writing. We'll post links to all of them in the show notes for this podcast. With the concept of super soldiers and the adaptation of human beings to fight future wars in mind, as mentioned by Emily in The Dex Legacy, our first recommendation is Broken Road, written by E.J. Kavunas, a dystopian, near-future sci-fi drama following the journey of a military veteran with obsolete military implants. Here's a trailer. another. That's all I can do. That's all any of us can do. I was remote ops in the war. Neural implants let me control trucks, drones, whatever you got. Now I'm back and all these government issue prosthetics are falling apart. What the hell are you doing in my barn? I'm just looking for a little power and then I'll be on my way. That'll be Arlen Frey. He must have seen you on the drone feeds. Who is he? The meanest son of a bitch with a badge. Broken Road. A dystopian audio drama coming Monday, July 25th, 2022 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you like to listen. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, 
and TikTok at Broken Road Pod. Learn more at www.recursor.tv forward slash Broken Road. Chaker is a science fiction drama written and produced by Karen Heimdall. Its topics include drama, loss, isolation and hope as a young woman navigates a post-apocalyptic future. The podcast is at the more thoughtful, reflective end of science fiction. Each episode includes a poem, for example, and the acting, sound design and production are exceptional. Here's a trailer for Chaker. This is Valen Solarin, engineering lead lunar mining, seeking urgent status update on, well, Earth. Cheka, a science fiction audio drama. Nothing has been heard from the Mars colony since before Earth went silent. Maybe, uh, maybe they all died too, and all I will find is their bones. I could be the last. Last human. I cannot stay. Trost. Cheka. Could you, um, could you prepare the shuttle? Affirmative. Long or short range journey? Oh. Long. Very long. Welcome. I am Hugo. How may I have the pleasure of addressing you? It's Cheka. Cheka. Russian for seagull. Call sign of Russian cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova. The first Earth woman. In space, yes, my... My mother gave me that name. Hmm, probably time you got to know some non-human people. Oh, you, you mean like you? Yes, I am a delightful acquaintance. I... Yes, I'm sure you are. You frightened her. Ah, she'll get over it. She has other things on her mind. Cheka, releasing 2022. For more information, please visit y2kpod.com slash Cheka. That's C-H-A-I-K-A. Repeat, priority communication to Moonbase. Get back to me and tell me this is just a glitch, all right? Please. And finally, Red Valley is a British drama written by Jonathan Williams, exploring the mysterious and secretive world of experimental science, including embryonic techniques for cryogenic preservation. The drama is set in the near future and features high-quality acting and production, mixing humour and a well-paced story with an intrigue that encourages you to binge-listen all the episodes. Here's a clip from Season 1 of Red Valley. Hang on a second. Wait. Yep, it's on. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Oh, wait, should we start this conversation again, or what? No, no, let's just carry on. Well, that doesn't sound very formal to me. Well, it isn't formal. It's private. I, I thought that was the point. What? I want you to take this seriously, okay? I do. I am. I need you to. I promise you, I'm taking this seriously. Come on, you asked me to record it, I went and got your dictaphone. Go ahead, please. 
how much do you know about cryonic preservation? Cryonic preservation. The preservation of human beings at extreme low temperature. You mean like like uh, Walt Disney? I swear to God, if you say anything about Walt Disney's frozen fucking head, I'm hanging up this phone right now. Hypersleep. Stasis. Cryonic preservation. We've all enjoyed the benefits of suspended animation. It allows our favorite characters to travel the galaxy or be thrown into the distant future in peaceful, harmless hibernation. But no one asks how it works or where it came from. Red Valley is an audio drama about the creators of hypersleep and the bloody mess they left behind. Episodes will be released weekly from March 30th. Thanks to Emily Inkpen for taking the time to be interviewed for today's podcast. We'll post links so you can listen to her audio drama, The Dex Legacy, and read more of Emily's writing in the show notes for this podcast. We're always delighted to read your contributions. So if you'd like to see your words in Write On or hear them on this podcast, please get in touch. We'll share this link and all others mentioned in today's podcast as part of our show notes. Thank you for listening to Write On Audio, presented by me, Tiffany Clare. Write On Audio is an alternative stories production for pen to print. The producer is Chris Gregory. Chris Gregory.